Welcome to NCAGT's podcast. Our mission is to dismantle the they'll be fine myth that often surrounds gifted learners. Our goal is to address the excellence gap faced by high ability students, including those from diverse backgrounds. Join us as we advocate for gifted and talented scholars to unlock their full potential. Please note the ideas and thoughts shared here are as diverse as our guests, not always reflecting the official NCAGT stance. So keep an open mind and let's explore a variety of perspectives together. Hi, Kathy. Um, why don't we start by you telling us about yourself, who you are, where you're from, your day job, and then, of course, the role that you play here at NCAGT. I'm Kathy Huff. I am an elementary AIG specialist in Guilford County Schools. And um, I, as far as NCAGT goes, I am on the executive committee and work as the secretary. I've, I've been on, the, on NCAGT for since the pandemic, since 2020. And Kathy does a lot for our podcast. She listens to episodes we send them to her and she gives us feedback before they go live. Um, do you do anything with the blog series? I know not as much with the blogs. No, um, when we did the part where we were working with Jeffrey Blount and his great book that he came and talked to us. I was involved with that some, but I haven't been as involved with the blog. They the, pod, the podcast is so much fun. And I'm, and I always, it's like, I get a sneak peek into what's coming up and I get to um, hear, hear all the great ideas. Well, I'm so happy that you're here. So today we have a slightly different episode format. Instead of you being in the hot seat, getting interviewed, I'm just going to share some more back pocket strategies. So I'm going to share a fun activity that teachers can take and implement in their classrooms tomorrow. And then I'll note the targeted skills. And then you can share your thoughts about the strategy. Maybe think of a neat way that the activity could be tailored to fit different subjects. And then Kathy actually has some stuff she's going to share with us today too. So that's exciting. So we'll just alternate. I'll share then you too. Sounds All great. Right. So up first, I have an activity that I always do whenever we read novels. So this is mostly, I've always used it in reading classes. It's called advice column. And so the targeted reading skills are reading comprehension, critical thinking, analytical skills, application of literary understanding, expressive writing, character, empathy, and then of course, as always, creativity. So in this assignment, Students read a novel, and then they take on the role of an advice columnist. So in this task, they're expected to use their understanding of the novel's themes, characters, and events to provide advice as if they were giving guidance in a column. So this activity really encourages students to delve deeper into the narrative, analyze character motivations, think critically about the lessons or insights that are offered by the novel, and it's not only act, it assesses their comprehension, but it also assesses their ability to apply literary understanding to real world scenarios. That's exciting. I was just listening to it. I was thinking that would be an awesome thing to do with either historical figures when you're reading like primary sources or um, nonfiction articles that they're reading, news articles and things and the the what a person who's being um, 
written about would be, you know, what kind of advice you could give to them. I love that. I think that's a great idea. I've done it before with several books, but The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is always a fun one because the kids can pick which child they want to be. And so they'll create problems that they write to themselves. And then they write as Lucy offering advice to a reader who's struggling with the concept of courage. Um, and so that's always, I've always enjoyed doing that. That reminds me, I don't know if you've ever used Birdseed TV. No, I've never heard used, of that. Oh, oh, that's a great resource. Uh, and the person who is the creator of it, does all of these guided lessons. And one of the lessons that he's got, and I'll be doing this week with my students, is um, a Thanksgiving writing with where it's it's creating a very informal type of poem, but you but you analyze a historical picture from Thanksgiving. And he he guides you through it and he shows what he would do. And you pick an inanimate object and you write the poem from that point of view. So wouldn't it be kind of fun to yeah. spin yours and have them pick an inanimate object instead of it just being a character? I love that. We're doing a day of thankfulness at school on Monday. And I've been trying to think of an activity to do with my older kids. And that's literally yeah. perfect. So you said birdseed TV. Uh-huh. It's a subscription, but it's it's really worth it. It's really great and just and perfectly geared towards online learning as well as in person. Ooh, I'll put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. That way people can access it easily. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Well, one of the things that I got as far as vocabulary development, uh, it came from an NCAGT conference session that I visited and I don't remember who it was and I don't remember what they've called it, but I use this all of the time. And what my students have called it is shades of meaning. And maybe you've done something like this. Do you know what I'm talking about? So go ahead. I've taught, like, I love doing lessons about shades of meaning because you ask kids like, oh, how do you feel? Good, happy. And it's like, come on, give me more yeah. than that. Right, right. Okay. So when we're studying vocabulary and, and one of our resources that we use is Caesar's English. I don't know if you've ever seen that book. It's It's really great. And it, it goes back and forth between teaching students stems, Latin stems, and then also really rich vocabulary. And it's five words at a time. And it's like the most simple definitions of things, but they're really challenging words. So like superfluous is one of the words. So on shades of meaning, what you do is you give the student the word. So you say superfluous and you tell them it means extra. And have them make five lines going down like a stair step and put superfluous at the top or whatever other challenging word you've got and work with them. Okay, what is the most opposite of extra? And have them write that at the bottom step and then have them come up with words that go in between leading from that really strong word down to the exact opposite of it. And that gets into some really rich discussions about where they feel like a word would go and they've got to provide evidence for why they would want to put it in one place versus another place. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. One yeah. of the um, classes that I teach right now is it's like our morning meeting, but it's really just heavy vocabulary. And we have a word of the day and then we'll a lot of times doodle, draw synonyms or antonyms and things like that. But I love the idea of the stair step because it's just so much more involved and because there's so many, I don't know. And just the idea of how you can feel more than one type of thing at a time 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just like the visual too. I feel like a visual is always. Helpful. Yeah. 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 And, and they can put their own, you know, you could do it as a group coming up with how as a group, would you do this? Or they can do it individually, you know, how, how they feel like it. Uh, but I really feel like it, it drives in what the meaning of those challenging words are. You do have to usually stick with adjectives or verbs more than nouns. Um, but anyway, so that's one of the things we do. That's kind of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I'll go into the next one. The next one is called a report card activity. And this is also something that you do while reading a novel, or I love doing it after a novel, kind of like a cumulative project rather than using like a multiple choice test. I always like to give like these types of things instead of doing a, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, so this is where they examine the ethical nature of different characters actions. I did this with the book counting by sevens. The targeted skills are critical thinking, ethical analysis, communication skills, the application of ethical framework, interpretation of literature, and then creativity. So you basically set up a report card using a chart that include, I always do the eight categories of respect, responsibility, cooperation, caring, integrity, self-control, honesty, and effort. And so they tell the name of the character, the grade that they would be in, and then they have to go through and give them a score like they would get on their own report cards or their progress reports that are sent home with them. And in each category, they give the character a letter grade that they believe that that character deserves. And then they have to leave two comments. And we'll have discussions about how when teachers leave comments on report cards, they always have to, you know, say something say something positive and be constructive in the way that they deliver information. So if this character is receiving a one in self-control, how (laughs) can you explain his lack of self-control, but in a way that is easy to solve, (laughs) you know? (laughs) That's great. I love that. We, one of the things that we do in our district is the students have self-evaluations that they do at the beginning of each semester and they have to develop goals and things. It'd be really funny to even just do it with a simple picture book or something um, and have them fill out the self-evaluation for that character in the book, you know, the one that they have to fill out. How do you feel like they would, especially it might be a great activity to start with our third graders when they're just beginning to do these self-evaluations and try to set goals and things. I don't know. I don't know. Great. Sometimes it's a lot easier for younger kids to kind of judge other people rather than doing that self-reflection practice of doing it with the characters in the book. And then throughout the year, working your way to, okay, you're going to do yourself now. I love that idea of doing self-reflection. Right. Right. Yeah. They do it pre and post. So they have to set a goal. So maybe you come up with a targeted place in the book that you would stop and say, yeah. okay, now we're going to do our pre-instruction. And now here we go on. Now, now, we're, now where are these people? Um, speaking of grading, another thing that I got from NCAGG, mm-hmm. uh, the, la- the last conference, this came from a STEM coordinator. Her name is April Summy, and she's in Henderson County, North Carolina. This is really quick and easy. So whenever you're creating a rubric, you know, and you've got grading at the top of it. And for for me, it usually, or it was before I listened to April, it was just, here's outstanding, satisfactory, needs improvement, unsatisfactory. 
what she does is integrates the rubric with professions. And now since she's a STEM coordinator, you know, it's, it's generally STEM types of activities, but I've, I've expanded this into all of the areas whenever we have a rubric. You can go to um, the government website. It's the Bureau of Labor S Statistics and find all of these cool occupations. So, you know, you're dealing with that preparing students for their future type of thing. But instead of having outstanding satisfactory needs improvement, you know, unsatisfactory or four, three, two, one, however you score a rubric, at the top of it, you put that profession and maybe the highest level of it. So if you're doing a poetry type of assignment, then poet laureate would be the outstanding. And then maybe a professor of, or a writer of poetry or published writer would be satisfactory. And then all the way down to unsatisfactory could just be a student. And so it takes away the stigma of it being like a, a failure type of thing. And instead it's now, okay, well, you're just learning how to do this. So you're a student, you're trying to understand how to do it. And, and you're also exposing them to lots of different types of careers. And they try to match up. They're like, so wait, what is a poet laureate? And so then you get to teach them what a poet laureate is. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I've changed from that, um, from that session that I got to listen to. It was great. All of these sessions, I come home and I'm like, oh, what can I do really quick? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy yeah. cool. Yeah. That honestly, it honestly kind of relates to your shades of meaning there too, your shades of jobs. Right. But I think it's so neat to show kids that you can be, you can dream to be more. There's nothing wrong with being a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, but those are right. just, you know, your everyone knows about those jobs. And we had a guest speaker that was the director of music at a local university come and talk to our kids. And he shared a list of 96 different jobs that you could have in the music industry. And it blew my mind just how people from all walks of life with all types of skill sets, if music is your jam, you can find something to do in the music field. Well, and that's the the Bureau of Labor Statistics has this occupational outlook handbook. And on there, it, it talks about what the, I mean, it's got, I don't know how many jobs are listed on this, but it also shows the median pay that you would get in the United States for that particular position. So it's just really exposing. I love that he had so many different career paths to deal with music. Yeah, That's great. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. Um, We've talked a lot about poetry and one of the things, one of the um, activities I have is actually about erasure poetry. Have you ever done blackout poetry before? Yes. Yeah. I love, love it that so much. So with erasure poetry, you can target analytical thinking, interpretation, critical reflection, just literary analysis, but basically erasure poetry is blackout poetry and it's a form of found poetry that involves transforming an already existing body of text by selectively erasing or blacking out some of the original content. So the poet will cheerfully, carefully choose which words they want to erase and which ones they want to retain, and it will build a whole new story. And I've done this before with um, Martin Luther King's speech, because I have Ooh. a speech we I gave that to my kids and they created their own erasure poem. And I would love to share one if you don't mind, because it is just, I was blown away. Then this was maybe a sixth grader who wrote this. 
So she turned the speech to say, the poetry we understand as silence is ignorance with validation. It is dignity with fear. It is a noose. It is a chain. It is the end of the wire. Are you kidding me? I was like, that's beautiful. That's amazing. That is amazing. I love, I'm sitting here taking notes on everything you're saying. <laughs> that's, I love that. We, I've done blackout poetry with them and it's just kind of recycled poetry. So, you know, I have a Harry Potter book that's falling apart and that's what we, that's what they take to me. But I love the idea of it being such an important, like a historical document, like Martin Luther King's speech. And that gives them a chance to really dig into the speech and read it as well as pull out their own meaning or what they get out of you know I think that's great well and I think I've seen a lot of um I've read about a lot of different ways that people will kind of use it and they tell the kids that they have to take the work and create a poem that challenges the thoughts of the original piece so you have to make it in the reverse of what the original message was so you're changing perspectives yes and then to do that collaboratively in groups like you work with peers to do that yeah oh I love that I love mm -hmm. that I can think of a lot of ways to I mean even if it was just they're reading some once again you know an article about something and to help them really evaluate their ideas and their thinking and have to kind of I love that that's awesome mm -hmm. um well I'm trying to think let's see uh another plug for NCAGT another one yeah the last year I Katie Anderson and and Lisa Van Gemmert so Lisa Van Gemmert is the gifted guru and Katie Anderson is all about having um how to engage students and just something this is like a back pocket kind of just managing your classroom uh they talk about you know kids being bored and one of the reasons and lisa the gifted guru was talking about we need to learn how to embrace that and not run away from it and shy away from the idea and to evaluate why it is that they're feeling bored and that there's even different there's a boredom proneness scale have you ever seen this mm -mm, no. and it is a self-evaluation for how prone are you to being bored it's a fascinating you should just google it you can find it they're free and see but the the quickest thing that i took away from both of them is movement in your classroom and getting students to move, and it doesn't have to be anything sophisticated or that you've, you know, you're putting them into, I don't know, some type of like collaborative thing where they've got, you've, you've got seven different ways that they need to move in order to solve whatever. It is just a matter of standing up and walking around, maybe just to get a pencil, but just, just to get up out of your seat and not be sitting for so long. Anyway, both of them, Lisa Van Gemmert and Katie Anderson, tons of ideas on trying to do what you can to change the environment in your room so that students are more engaged mentally and physically. 
I love that. Uh, I, I love when teachers put like the anchor charts on the walls and you do like gallery walks with things, mm -hmm. and, um, musical play. And when the music stops, you go to the closest poster and you have to answer the math problem that's on the wall. Like, I just love right. that idea of getting them up and moving because I, I get, we I, don't like sitting. We don't want to sit that long. <laughs> no way. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't, they definitely don't want to be sitting that long. Oh yeah. So that's just an environmental kind of yeah. thing that I make sure that we're doing in our classrooms, moving around. Do you have an academically talented child who's looking for a challenging and exciting summer program? Summer Institute for the Gifted provides innovative academic programs for exceptional students from all over the world. Enroll now at some of the top universities in the country, including UNC Chapel Hill, for courses like robotics, creative writing, and neuroscience. These courses are designed to engage and inspire your child, allowing them to grow into the next best version of themselves. To learn more and enroll, visit our website at giftedstudy.org. Um, I will share an activity called Connect the Dots. So this is, I did this when I taught a debate class and it was just kind of getting them to develop their public speaking skills and being able to connect ideas that don't necessarily belong, but connect them together in a seamless way. Um, so that like logical connection, adaptability, those are all skills that you can target with doing connect the dots. So since I'm virtual, I have a virtual wheel that will spin. But if you were in the classroom, you could just have a, a bag or hat full of words. And so the wheel would spin and you would determine the number of words that the participants were going to have to use. And I always start out with like two or three, just start low. So the wheel spins, two words pop up, and then the participants have to begin crafting a story that connects the words together in a convincing way. So it has to make sense. So each participant okay. takes turns sharing their story and the goal is to move smoothly from one word to another, creating a coherent narrative within a short time frame. So like one to two minutes. And as they become more comfortable, the number of words can be increased. Um, you could increase the time and they have to talk that full, like if the time is a minute, they can't be under or over. They have to get right at a minute. So you can kind of make it harder and harder as they go. That's fun. And um, we, I do something that helps to develop, you know, their, their divergent thinking. And that is the same thing with, you give a concept like change and have the students brainstorm all the things that they can think of that do change and list all of those things out. And so the last time I did this, I put it into, I just kept typing it and it was going up on the projector and into a circle and then have the students pick things that are opposite of each other that are related, that are not related that, and come up with a way that they're related. So I love that you have them talk about it for a specific amount of time because they don't want, they, they don't like, they don't like doing it. I do that with writing. So when they're doing their journals, we'll do, we'll do quick writes. And I'll say, you need to write for two minutes. And they'll be like, well, I'm finished. And I'm like, no, you need to keep writing. You've got to keep writing because that's the way you're going to build your fluency. And even if your ideas start to meander from what the original topic is, you're still getting 
you know, you're, you can look back at it when you're finished and think, okay, how could I edit this and make this a better thing? But, uh, but I love that with the speaking and making it more controlled. I love the uh, idea aware. Of the quick writes, because I don't know how many, it kills me when I'm like, okay, you've got, you know, five minutes and within like 45 seconds, I'm done. I'm finished. Uh, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And when, I, when I've played this game before, they'll quickly learn like, oh my gosh, I have to talk for a full minute. It's like, hey, 60 seconds is actually a long time to tell a story. But then they start to learn that like, your intro matters, that you don't have to immediately connect those two words together, that you can ease into your story and then they meet in the middle and then you have your ending. So it honestly helps them develop a story from start to finish because sometimes listening to kids retell stories is painful (laughs) because it goes this way yeah. and it goes that way. And you're sitting there going, where was the original idea with all yeah. of this? I'm like, yeah. this is watching a game of pinball. Like it's just <laughs> all over the place. Well, but- as far as math goes with trying to keep them engaged with that, uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that, you know, they have to work on is fluency of facts. And so if you give them, this is one of our teachers I mean, in our district had this idea. I thought it was great. So if they're doing like these fast fact things and they finish before the amount of time is up, she always gives them an additional and she'll say, if you finish, then what you need to do is turn the paper over. And I want you to skip count by fourths, starting with never, you know, I mean, she'll come up with some other type of mathematical thinking to make them stay engaged with whatever it is. So it's the full amount of time. I thought that was a great goal. Cool I love that because I don't know how many times I've been like, okay, if you're finished, then you can doodle or you can like, I've taught mine, like my in mindfulness, like how you can hatch draw, like hatch drawing is mindful. Uh-huh. So it's like, okay, well hatch draw while you're waiting for your friends to get done. But I love right. that skip counting and even doing it by fourths with fractions. Yeah. All different, all different types of things that you can do. Yeah. To add, that was, I thought that was a great spin on that for math though. Yes. Well, and that's always so hard. I was trying to think of with my strategies today, ways that I could connect them to math and it's tough. It is so hard. It is tough. And I was thinking the same thing Um, because anything I'm writing down really has to do more with all of its critical thinking, Mm -hmm. but it is much more geared towards language arts than it is than it is mathematical reasoning. So if we finished early in our class, which is never, it doesn't seem like ever, or if we do, we have like two minutes or three minutes and you know they're overexcitable, they get, so you need something to keep them challenged and keep them going. So we have like the challenge 24 game or the 24 game, do you ever do that with your kids? No. That is, that is a quick and easy one. And it's just a deck of cards. And it's got four numbers on it. Like I'm, I'm going to make up a card and it's not going to exist and it won't work. But let's say the numbers on it were one, eight, three, and another one. So this is going to be very easy. You have to use all four of those numbers to create 24. And you can use them like in parentheses. So you could say eight times three is 24. And then you go times one is still 24. And then times one again, is still 24. And anyway, there's one, two, and three dot problems. And so those are so quick just to have out and flash up. And it forces them to 
look for patterns in math and and builds that fluency with those basic facts and skills. And it's funny because they'll start, they'll see like an eight and a seven. They'll go, well, eight times seven is 56. And then, I don't know, it's really, it's a, it's a lot of fun. So they used to have tournaments for it. And I don't know if they still do that, but challenge 24 or the 24 game. And another thing that they like to do is something called Aces, Jumble and Zilch. And that's from that pets curriculum. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And it's, I tell them it's like Wordle for math. So they have, to, so you come up with a three digit number and none of the digits are repeated. And you, an ace means that the coding is an A means ace, which means that there is a number that is in that, that is exactly right. And, you know, in the right position. I did yeah. this last week. Yes. It's so fun. It is so fun. And, and, and it's a great end of class type of thing. So, so anyway, the J is jumble. It means there's a number that's right, but it's in the wrong place. And Z is zilch. And it means that absolutely not right. And so they have to evaluate what, what, evaluate what they're saying and then like check back to see, have I used this in a place before? And they try to narrow it down and try to get it so that they can guess the number in like five. But that's a great mathematical, critical thinking, fun three-minute activity at the end of class to do. Well, and I really like doing that too, because I teach a wide range of kids from mm -hmm. all the way to eighth grade. And that game can be played with all of them. Mm -hmm. It's so nice, you know, not to have to, come, you know, come up yeah. with things in your day. It's nice whenever you can find something that uh, a one size fits all. We're going to push the pause button for just a second to share some really exciting news. NCAGT's annual conference is heading to Greensboro, North Carolina on March 14th and 15th, 2024. This is an event you won't want to miss. For the latest updates on registration, keynotes, and all the things conference-related, head over to ncagt.org. And here's the best part. If you have a burning question or need more information, we've got you covered. Just shoot us an email at conference at ncagt.org. All right, let's get back to it. There's another game that we play and it's it's a it's a real game called Blurt. And one of the things I think gifted kids are really great at is blurting out the answer. And so of <laughs> course we use we use our journals a lot so that everybody can write down what it is that they're thinking before people start sharing so that those introverted kids have a chance to have a voice as well as the extroverted kids. But at the end of the day, we play Blurt and that's just these little cards and you start reading out something and it's, it, I can't even give you an example of one, but it might be something like the wooden part around a picture and then somebody will blurt out frame and they can say it way ahead of time. And there, but it's a lot of fun because there's a lot of different vocabulary and different concepts that are in this game and with the deck and there's easy and hard, but it's another one of those things that can go over multiple grade levels and you can do it for like one minute with one card, or you could do it for five minutes and see how many people can get whatever. So it's a lot of fun. And so they're allowed to blurt. And they're allowed That's to good. blurt. Now's their big chance to blurt. I love that. Yeah. A lot of times, if we have a little extra time left, um, sometimes we'll play this game called Oink and you just take like a classic well-known children's story, like Little Red Riding Hood, Gingerbread Man. If you type in like a short version of it and then you put it up on the screen and then 
someone in the class picks a word and the word could be um, man. So anytime the story says man, you can't say the word. You have to say the word oink. So you read the story, (laughs) but you say oink instead of whatever word was picked. And so that's always, you know, that's just... (laughs) That sounds a lot of fun. Yeah. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Well, Kathy, I think we crushed this. We got a lot okay. of strategies in, in a short okay. amount of time. Do you have yeah. any ones that you, that you are just burning to share? Um, I mean, I've got more advice uh, or yeah. what, what I did when I was stuck. So one of our units we were working on with third graders is diversity and our opening prompt was, you know, just to, to write about diversity. And I used chat GPT or AI, and that has become my best friend as far as helping develop really great questions. So I'm supposed to be talking about diversity with these students and there are 11 children and of the 11, there's one girl. 10 boys and one girl. And I thought, well, this is not very diverse. So I asked AI to come up with a question that would be a great prompt for teaching diversity without getting into a real specific diversity in our communities, you know, to let that be something that we build on. And so I asked AI, I was like, um, I said, develop a a great writing prompt to find out what children value about diversity. And so AI said, imagine you're the captain of a spaceship exploring a colorful and magical galaxy. In this galaxy, there are many different types of planets, each inhabited by unique creatures with their own special ability. One day your spaceship lands on a planet where everyone looks and acts exactly the same. How would you feel about the planet? What do you think makes diversity important in our galaxy of planets? write a story about your adventure and, and and what you learned about the importance of diversity. And I love that because it, it's, it kind of goes to what you were talking about um, when you were mentioning the report cards, the, the activity that you do, the report card activity. And then I was talking about the self-evaluations when it does, when it's not so close to them, when you take it and you put the science you know, the science fiction kind of element in it, they can look at what diversity is instead of it just being what they experience in their, right there, right then. And, And I would have spent, I don't know, 20 minutes trying to come up with a great prompt that would meet that needs. And so I love being able to have a tool like AI to, to speed it up for me and, you know, teacher hacks. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I love that it kind of takes the, this concept of diversity and like gamifies it and makes it not so serious. And I feel like a lot of times with gifted kids, they do best when they can live outside of that realm of reality, you know, they can into space, so to say. Yes. Especially if there's, there's such strong empaths and it's just kind of, yeah, and it helps them understand the concept. And then once they have a really good understanding, whole brain understanding of it, then you can kind of draw it back and bring it right to home, you know, and have right. it in their personal lives. Yeah. So 
how can listeners get in contact with you? Like if they've liked something that you've said today, what's the best way to reach you? They can go to the NCAGT website and I'm listed as um, on the board there. So my email address for NCAGT is on there. Well, thank you so much for taking. Thank you. To just be here and do this. Thanks for all the ideas. And there you have it. We truly appreciate your time spent with us today. If you enjoyed this episode of They'll Be Fine, please consider sharing your thoughts. Leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible would mean the world to us, but we understand if it feels like a lot. Even a quick five-star rating or sharing this episode on your own social media can make a significant impact. Your support helps us reach more families and educators who are navigating and advocating for their gifted loved ones. We hope you'll join us on our next episode as we sit down with another amazing stakeholder in the gifted community. Until then, take care.